You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. We are Dwight and Tina Anderson, and this is our story. Met eight years ago. Um, we were a blind date. Got set up by a mutual friend. Dwight had my number for months and would not call me for whatever reason, and I ended up calling him. And once we met and dated, he chased me for <laughs> um, Anyway, we dated for a year and a half and got married. Um, We've been married for six years, May the 1st. Uh, when Tina got married, uh, she had a son who was six. And early on in our relationship, she uh, let me know she wanted more kids in her, in her life. So a year after we got married, we had a son, Dayton. And after we had Dayton, <laughs> I wanted another child, and he kept telling me we were too old, but God had other plans. I had asked Dwight for a couple years, you know, for, um, I wanted another baby, and he kept, you know, um, I'm too old. We were too old. <laughs> I mean, realistically, we were too old to have other children. I mean, I was only, I wasn't too old. He was, <laughs> I'm the old one, is <laughs> Um, but now that I look back, um, the, the way that we got Maddie is, um, she is in my family. She is a stepchild in my family. Um, but I look back now and I see that God was planting little seeds in my heart even before Madison was born. Um, at our Christmas get-together, my first cousin told me that his stepdaughter was uh, pregnant with another child and it was going to be a little girl and they didn't know what they were going to do because this young lady already has four other children. And I just nonchalantly made the comment that you know I would take her if nobody wanted her that I would take her and I look back now and I know that God was planting those seeds. Uh, when Madison was born my first cousin called me and um, told me that she was going to go into foster care. I called Dwight and told him that I felt like we needed to go get her and so we did a lot of praying about it and um, decided to go get her. We um, went and got Madison when she was 13 days old and brought her home. And we've had her ever since. When I, when they called me about getting Madison, they told me, a foster care told me that they needed to know in like two days if we would take Madison. And I, I struggled, not because I, I, I thought I could love her, but I, you know, we didn't have room for her in our home. I mean, we, we are so out of room. We got two boys. Um, I knew we really couldn't afford her. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm so blessed beyond measure. But, you know, we really couldn't, you know, have another child, even though I wanted one, you know, just to go get one in two days. <laughs> you know, we were not prepared at all. 
Um, and I kept arguing with God. I kept saying, you know, I don't have room for her. You know, where am I going to put her? How am I going to afford her? Um, you know, but he just kept telling me that it would all work out, and it did all work out. Um, it was a lot of emotions I went through, and I even worried because I had two children of my own. You know, was I going to love her like I love my boys? And I do. You know, I, I look at Madison, and, and I, you know, I mean, she blesses my heart. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You get to go, I had nothing but we're old and she's young. <laughs> but she's just fit for us. I know I, I just look at her and I just see her life. Like she knows no difference. She's part of our life. And, you know, I really compare that to a lot, to my own life, because God blesses my life and I don't know why. I feel so undeserving of stuff I have because I just think, and I'm not a loyal person like I think I ought to be to him, but it seems like no matter what, he still blesses my life. And Madison blesses our life, and I believe we bless hers in the same way. Our story is God's story. It's a neat story, huh? Uh, I don't know why I've always really uh, liked stories about adoption. Several years ago, I had the chance to uh, be at the uh, Baptist State Convention, and they have a pastor's conference the day before the convention actually starts. And they uh, had this man who owned a, uh, he and his father owned a lot of uh, car dealerships up in Hendersonville, North Carolina, uh, some uh, down in South Carolina also. And uh, they had had some of their own children, this particular uh, man, the son of the owner, and now he's the owner of all these uh, businesses, and they had some of their own children, uh, but they just really felt impressed of God uh, to adopt some children. And the children that they adopted, for the most part, uh, were children that were very difficult to care for. Uh, children who had severe handicaps. Uh, they adopted so many, his dad thought he was crazy. I think it was like 14 <laughs> that they adopted. Uh, and God had blessed them with money, and they had the finances to do that. If I remember his testimony correctly, it would take them a little bit less than two hours every morning to take the kids to all the various types of schools they had to go to. Uh, that's a commitment to do that. At the end of him sharing that day at the pastor's conference, uh, he stepped up there uh, and, and, well, he went down, and then he stepped back up from the stage, and he was carrying one of the last girls that they had adopted from Russia. And, uh, and she couldn't do anything for herself. Uh, she was severely handicapped. But he held her close to himself, and he loved her. And, uh, man, that just spoke to my heart, the testimony that they gave. Uh, another story about adoption. My, uh, most of you that have been here very long have heard about this before. Becky's brother, my brother-in-law, and uh, his wife, they adopted a teenager uh, out of China uh, a little bit more than a year ago. 
And it's just been really neat because, I mean, she's as much a part of our family uh, now as anyone that is biologically uh, part of our family. Um, Angie Crump, Angie's sister, and, and her husband have adopted uh, two children, uh, you know, of, of a different race. And I highly respect them for that because in this area, there can be some very judgmental attitudes uh, that's placed toward them. And I really respect them uh, for doing that. Um, Dwight and Tina will be here at the next service. I will tell them that you did this. And at the next service, I'll have them up here to where they can actually see the next service do it. But um, I, I, want you to, I, I want you to do something in just a moment. And, and that's to show our appreciation for them adopting this little girl. Um, I remember when they first started talking about it and requesting prayer. And I was praying for them. And probably some of you were praying for them. And then I can remember when it happened. And they already had this little girl before the, the adoption actually became official. And, and guys, surely you've noticed this. But when you see them around here, it's like that little girl is attached to their hip. Because they're carrying that little girl around, you know, wherever they go in this facility. And loving her and caring for her. And I want us just to show some appreciation for them being willing to do that. <clears throat> and, uh, and I will let them know that you did that. I also, though, as we are on this topic of adoption today, I also want you to show appreciation to someone else because of adoption and that's someone else and we'll do it in just a moment that someone else is God that someone else is Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross for us we can be adopted into the family of God because Jesus opened the door no in fact he is the door himself we can have a relationship with a holy God the God that created everything. The God that's three times holy. The angels say, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. That same God, you and I, can be a part of his family because Jesus went to the cross and he suffered and he shed his blood for our sins. So I think if you know Christ as your Savior this morning, you ought to be hugely appreciative of what God has done for you in Christ. And if you know Christ as your Savior, that means you've been adopted into God's family. So we applauded a human couple a moment ago for their willingness to adopt. I tell you what, we ought to applaud God. And, you know, if you need a Yahoo, Hoot, or whatever you need to do, I think we ought to give God a standing ovation for what He's done for us through Christ. Maybe, maybe we ought to just spend the whole time clapping. <clears throat> if for some reason you couldn't really celebrate that in your heart. In other words, if you do not know Christ as your personal Savior today, I want you to really listen because you need to understand something. That God who sent Jesus to die on the cross wants you to be part of his family and he wants to adopt you into his family. Maybe you do already know him, but maybe as I ask you to celebrate uh, being adopted by God, maybe it was a little bit 
half-hearted in, in, your, in your heart as you were uh, clapping just a moment ago because maybe you don't fully understand this thing called adoption. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to jump in and talk about it. We just had the videotape kind for an illustration. What we're going to talk about is how God wants to adopt us and how God has adopted us who have faith in Christ. Look at these verses in Romans. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are put into death, the deeds of the body, you'll live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. And then jumping ahead, down to verse 23 in the same chapter. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we've been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. We're just going to look in those verses, dive into those verses. To begin with, though, before we do it, we need to have an understanding of what this biblical term of adoption means. Because adoption in that day and time is a little bit different than adoption today. Here's what the word means, the word for adoption. It means to place him as a son. It means adopted as an adult son with full inheritance rights. Adoption in that day and time was not just we're going to adopt this little kid, this baby, and we're going to help it until it kind of grows up and help it because it doesn't have any parents and then kind of get it out on its own and, and then it's there. That's not what adoption meant in that day and time. Adoption, when they would adopt in that day and time, meant at the time you adopted that child, you were also saying that child had full inheritance rights as an adult son or a daughter. That child had as much inheritance rights as a natural born child that you had. It means adopted and made the rightful heir. The root word simply means this, a son or a child. That's what the first part of the word means. And the second part literally means to be passively placed in a position. And that doesn't mean that God was passive. When we think about him adopting us, God was very active. God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. God took the initiative. I think what it means for us is this. God, by his grace and his mercy, places us as his adult children when we believe in Christ as Savior. There's not anything that you and I can do to earn adoption. There's not anything we can do to be worthy of adoption. It's all by his grace. From our standpoint, it's passive. From God's standpoint, it was very active. He did everything that needs to be done through Jesus in order that you and I can be adopted. 
We're going to look at about four lessons about adoption today we can learn. Lesson number one is this. Adoption places an obligation upon Christians to act like we belong in God's family. When we believe in Jesus Christ, when God adopts us into his family, along with that adoption, there's this obligation that we're to act like we belong in God's family. Look at verse 12 through 14 again. We read it a moment ago, but I want to break it out as we go through this. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for you, for you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You realize, don't you, that there's kind of an expectation when you're part of a family to follow the family rules. That doesn't mean they never get broken. And there's this expectation when you're part of the family to kind of act like that family, behave like that family. I mean, let me prove that just for a moment. That's why when, you know, babies are born, people will stand around and they'll ooh and ah, and then they'll start looking at the baby and looking at the two parents and start saying things like this. Oh, he's got his father's eyes. Or his, his mother's lips or nose or hair or whatever the case is. You see, the fact that people say things like that proves that there's this expectation for children to look like their parents. And beyond just looking like their parents, you know, many times they'll pick up other uh, habits that we have. You know, maybe our, 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 our vocalizations, the way we talk, or the way we walk, and things like that. And you can see that in children. But I've seen it happen not just in natural-born children. I've seen it happen in adopted children. The other day, I stopped at a restaurant, and uh, in this restaurant, the man that owns it had adopted a son. He had his own son, but he also adopted a son that happened to be a friend of his son. And he did not adopt him until teenage years, so it's not like he grew up all the time around this man and his wife who had adopted them. And I was fully aware that he was an adopted son. And as I was ordered, it was kind of a lunch counter type place where you can go up and order and then go sit down and, uh, you know, get your food at that point. And that day, the owner was there, the man who had adopted, and the adopted son was there. And as I kind of stood back and waited for my order, I watched them. And I watched their mannerisms. And I watched how they walked. And I realized as I was watching this that the adopted son walked exactly like his adopted father. So I waited for a minute until the adopted son kind of stepped out. And, and, I, and I know the, the dad, so I, I motioned for him to come over there. And I said, I thought this might bless you. And I said, I, I want you to understand, I've been sitting here observing some things. And that boy that you adopted, who's in his mid-20s now, I said, he walks just like you walk. He, he acts like you. He's got the mannerisms that you have. And man, this dad just grinned from ear to ear when I told him that. Do you know what, guys? I think that's what God wants to see in our lives. I think God wants us to act like him. Oh, we're not his only begotten sons like Christ. We're his adopted sons because of what Christ did for us. 
But I think God wants to see us act like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, be like Jesus in this world. And I kind of think he might be like that dad I was talking to. Whenever we look a little bit like Jesus, I think it thrills our Heavenly Father. I think he gets enjoyment out of seeing the impact that Jesus has made in our lives whenever we do allow Jesus to pop through and people can see Jesus in our lives. I don't know about you, but I would love for other people to stand back and observe my actions and say, like I told that father a moment ago, you know what? You look like your father. You're acting like your father. That's what this thing called adoption is about when it comes to God. Those verses we read tell us that we're not under an obligation to live after the flesh anymore. What we are under an obligation to do is this. We're under an obligation to act like Jesus, to act like our Father. Why are we under such an obligation? Because Jesus suffered and died and shed his blood. Because God cared enough to send Jesus to die for us. Because Jesus cared enough for us to die for us. Because the Holy Spirit of God cares enough to come in and live in our lives. So we as believers are under an obligation not to live according to the flesh anymore. Instead, we ought to be killing those things. He goes on and he says, if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body. Look what the word obligation means. To owe something to, to be indebted to, delinquent in payment, the root word means to own or be under an obligation or duty. Apply that to us as Christians. Because of what God has done for us in Christ, we really owe something to him, don't we? Because of his grace and his mercy, we are severely indebted to him. And we're delinquent in payment because there's no way we can pay for it. And, and the root word means this, to own or to be under an obligation or duty. We are under an obligation or a duty to live the way God wants us to live. We're under an obligation to act like we belong in God's family instead of living according to the flesh. He tells us we ought to put to death those things. Instead of you and I living after we receive Christ as our Savior, like we are obligated to the flesh, we're obligated to live the way we used to, we're obligated to all the temptations and the desires that are wrong that we have in our lives. Instead of acting like we can't control ourselves, we don't have any chance whatsoever, we still have to live under the flesh. He's telling us we need to put those things to death. We need to put those deeds, those wrong deeds that used to be so active in our lives, we need to put them to death or mortify them, is what one translation says. And it simply means to kill. We need to be looking and identifying things in our life that are part of the flesh, the old deeds that we used to serve, and quit serving those things. Instead, we're to kill them when we identify them. Say, so it's easier said than done. It is, but Paul tells us in Romans 6, a mindset that we need to apply in our lives that would help us out a whole lot. If you'll just reckon yourself dead to sin. You understand a corpse can't sin? A corpse can't get up out of the casket and go commit sin. And if we would have that mentality about us, every time temptation comes around, nope, dead to it. Already died. I'm a different person now in Christ. That would help us to mortify these things, to kill these things that used to be so active in our life. Because the obligation that we have, guys, is not to live like that anymore. The obligation that we have is to be led by the Spirit. Look at what it says in verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit, 
of God. These are the sons of God. The word for being led there means to lead. It means to bring. It also means to drive. And the tense of it in the Greek means a willingness on our part. You and I as Christians ought to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead us. That's our obligation now. Not to follow after sin. Our obligation is to God. Our obligation is to live like we belong in God's family. What we ought to do is be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to bring us from wherever we are to where God wants us to be. We need to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit even to drive us, to, you know, to expel us forward, to, to encourage us on to where God wants us to be. And here's why we need to do that. One lesson about adoption today is simply this. If you've been adopted into God's family by trusting in Christ as your Savior, you and I are under an expectation or an obligation to act like our Father, to act like we belong in the family. There's a second lesson we can learn here. Adoption also does this for us. It provides a privilege for those of us who know Christ, for Christians, to cry out to God as their Father. Look at verse 15 and 16. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. Did you see that? You and I, who know Christ as our saviors, we can actually communicate to God. We can actually talk to God. We can actually cry out to God. But wait a minute. Get the full impact of what he's saying. Because even a slave can cry out to his master. Even a prisoner, someone that's captive in prison, can cry out with his voice to his captors to those who are keeping him in prison. That's not what we're being told here. We are not crying out to God as Christians as though we're in bondage, as though we're in fear. We are crying out to God under the spirit of adoption because we know we've been adopted as the sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus did on the cross, because we have believed in him, we've exercised faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That tells us that you and I can cry out to God as sons, not like someone that's in bondage, not like someone that's a slave, not like someone that's a prisoner. You and I can approach holy God, and we can cry out to holy God as though he is our father, because he is, biblically speaking. He is my father and your father the moment you receive Christ as your Savior. We can cry out to him from that standpoint, from that viewpoint, as being the sons and the daughters of God. Isn't that an amazing thing? You don't think it is, you need to remember where you were without Jesus. You need to remember the Bible says, all those who sin and fall short of the glory of God. None of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve grace. None of us deserve to be adopted. The word slavery means this. It means just being in bondage. The word fear is the word we get our English word phobia from. It's a Greek word phobos. 
It means to be put in fear, alarm, fright, exceeding fear or terror. See, here's what I think he's telling us. He's telling us that now because we're adopted sons, we're not in bondage to sin anymore. Now because we're adopted sons, we don't have to be apprehensive or fearful about approaching a holy God. Because now we can do it and not worry about it. See, for some people, that might freak them out a little bit. When you think about trying to approach God, who you know is holy, you may worry about that. You may be a little bit fearful. But here's the deal in that. When we receive Christ as our Savior, all of our sins are washed away. The shame and the guilt that we had in our life, we need to allow that to be washed away by the blood of Jesus and understand we are now the children of God. We're now in a relationship with holy God. And instead of feeling like we're in bondage to sin or feeling like we ought to fear trying to approach God, we can boldly approach Him now because of what Jesus did for us. We can come and call upon Him as our Father and we as His children. We can cry out as the fully adopted sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus did for us. The word cry out means this. Kind of an interesting word. It means to croak. To croak even as a raven croaks. That's what the word means. To scream, to call aloud, to shriek to exclaim, to entreat. You know why I included that word in the message? Here's why. Some of you are scared to talk to God because you think you don't know enough fancy words. Some of you are apprehensive even to call upon His name or try and pray because you don't think you can pray in all the fancy ways you've heard people pray. I've got a newsflash for you. God understands stuff other than Elizabeth in English. You don't have to pray in Elizabeth in English, King James authorized prayer, in order for God to understand it. Matter of fact, the Bible says He knows what we need even before we ask Him. He's just waiting for us to come to Him and cry out to Him. So if you're trying to use some excuse about praying to God or you know, and, and thinking you just can't pray well enough. I, I've actually seen people when they've been called upon in public, and I don't mean to embarrass somebody by calling on them to pray, but listen, if someone ever calls on you to pray and they've not asked you about it to begin with, if you know you're saved, if you know God is your Father, don't back down and wimp out from praying. Stand up and talk to Him. Stand up and talk to your Father. Well, I can't pray all that fancy stuff. God doesn't expect you to. You're His Son you're his daughter, he's your father, just cry out to him. If you can't do anything but croak, if you can't do anything but sound like a stupid raven, just scream out, call out, shriek, exclaim to him what you need. That's all he's looking for. And it says we can cry out, Abba. That's a term of endearment. It actually means father or papa. That I can look to the God of all the universe and call him Daddy. Abba, Father. We get our English word parent from it. Or our English word paternal from it. And it simply means that God is your parent. Because of adoption, we are obligated to live like we belong in God's family. Because of adoption, because of God adopting us when we receive Christ as our Savior, we can actually cry out to holy God as our Father. 
But not just that. Adoption also tells us this. Adoption tells us that we are positioned as Christians. Adoption positions Christians as joint heirs with Jesus. Look at this verse. And of children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. You think having God as your father's neat? It is. But that's not all the story. You also have Jesus as your brother. You have God the Father as your father, and you have God the Son as your brother. And it's not just that you've been adopted. You've been brought into God's family with full rights, with full inheritance rights. Everything that belongs to Jesus is yours. Have you ever thought about that? All of the inheritance of Christ you are connected to. I mean, kind of think about it like this. It's as though that this wealthy man, maybe this entrepreneur, you know, this had all kinds of money. And, and this man decides to adopt you into his family. He has a natural born son, but when he adopts you, he also does this. He lets you know that the inheritance, everything that's coming down the road one day in the inheritance is as much yours as it is his natural-born son. Now, honestly, if that were potentially about to happen to you or could have happened to you when you were younger and everything, this person that had just all kinds of money is going to adopt you and bring you in and tell you, hey, you've got full rights to it, that's exciting, isn't it? Wouldn't that excite you a little bit? Hey, here's what ought to excite you. The God that owns everything the God that made everything, the very creator of the universe, the God that sent his son to die on the cross for you, he adopts you by faith. When you receive Christ as Savior, he adopts you, puts you in his family, and you have full, equal rights with Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's not the kind of junk that happens a lot of times in families because that scenario I gave you a moment ago, if some rich man brought some unknown in and then tells his son, guess what, this guy gets, you know, he's got full right to inheritance also. You know what happens most of the time in things like that in our flesh and our families? That natural born son is going to get bitter. And think, what did he do that for? Be a little bit jealous and upset. What do you mean, you're giving him some of the stuff that's supposed to be mine? Hey, here's the deal with God. God put his son on the cross, and his son willingly went to the cross, loved you enough to go to the cross, did it just so you could be a joint heir. Did it intentionally so you could be a joint heir. Did it intentionally so you can be part of God's family. That's how much God cares for you. He wants you to be a joint heir with Christ. Now, two aspects of that verse. First aspect, very positive aspect. We just talked about it. First aspect is very positive. It is simply this, that you can be joined. Next slide, please. That you can be, uh, just wrong by that, I'm sorry. That you can be a, a positive, uh, a very positive aspect is this, that you can be adopted 
as the children of God. You can be adopted and be a fellow heir with Jesus. That's real positive, isn't it? Really positive. There's also another aspect. Now, some of you are thinking I'm about to say there's a negative aspect here. But here's the second aspect. It's also another positive aspect. See, the last part of the verse said this, And if children heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. You know, and, and some of you may read ahead on that and you thought, All right, he said this is a positive thing. We're heirs with Christ and that is very positive. And you might be thinking, Oh, but I don't know about this suffering thing. You might be thinking, Suffering doesn't sound like fun. Can I stop and ask you a question? Who said we're talking about fun? We're not talking about fun. Is suffering fun? No, ask Jesus. Was it fun when Jesus went to the cross? Was it fun when Jesus was beaten? Was it fun when he shed his blood? Was it fun when they put the, the cat of nine tails to his back and pulled flesh away from his body? Was it fun when they put a crown of thorns on his head and shoved it down on his head? Was it fun when they took him out and made him carry that cross till he fell under the weight of it? Was it fun when they nailed him to the cross and he's there with nails in his feet and his hands and in order to take a breath, you have to raise yourself up with those wounds that you have in order to get a breath and let the air go out of your lungs. He suffered severely for us. Was it fun? No. Was it needful? Yes. Was it holy? Yes. Is it glorious? Yes. And here's why I'm saying this is also a positive aspect. If Jesus would do that for me and you, and if you and I are given the opportunity in some form to suffer for Him, can I tell you something? Here's the way you ought to view it. It's just part of your inheritance. It's just part of you being what God's called you to be. Do we want to line up and say, beat me because I follow Jesus? Kill me because I follow Jesus? No, we don't want to line up and do that. But if following Jesus leads us to that, we ought to be thankful that we can actually suffer in some way for Him because of what He did for us. Ask the early apostles. Ask the early disciples. Ask the Christians in the first century church who bled and died and were crucified and fed the lions and boiled in oil and, and had their bodies tied to hot plates of metal that had been heated, thrown from buildings, cut asunder. Ask them if it was fun. They'll tell you no. Ask them was it worth it to stand for Christ and they'll tell you yes because of what the rest of the verse says. If indeed we suffer with him so that we also may be glorified with him. Look at what that means. Next slide. He said, remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. Jesus warned us up front that if they did it to him, they'll do it to us. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. Next slide. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. 
The phrase glorified with means to exalt a dignity or honor in company with another. The word is a compound word. It means together with and to render glorious. That means one day, guys, when Jesus is fully enthroned with the church around him that he died for, all the glory that he gets that day is ours also. He is in heaven waiting one day for all of us to come home. And we'll be glorified together with him. Isn't that an amazing thought? We need to be willing to suffer for him if necessary. Paul said this in Galatians 4. So you're no longer a slave. Goes right along with what we're talking about today. But a son. Since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. God has made you also an heir. Adoption means that we're obligated to act like we belong to God's family. Adoption allows us to call out to God as our heavenly father. Adoption makes us join heirs with Jesus. Everything that's his, everything that belongs to him will be ours also one day. We're joint heirs together with him. But lastly, adoption also does this, or should do this for us. Adoption provokes Christians to have the desire to go home. To have the desire to go home. Look at verse 23 through 25. And not only this, he's just talked about creation groaning, waiting to see us look like we'll fully look one day when Christ comes back. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we've been saved, but hope that it seems not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait for it. Imagine a child that has never had parents. And that child has spent several years in an orphanage. Then that child gets word after it's been in that orphanage for years. Somebody has adopted you. And on such and such a date, at such and such a time, they're coming to take you home to be with them. Don't you imagine that child would sit there and long and count the moments, count the days, waiting for the time that those parents who are adopting them would come and take them out of the orphanage and take them home to be with them. And then that child, because of the love that it's receiving in that home, that child would have this desire to be at home with those parents, to go see those parents, because of how much they were loved 
in that home. You see, I think that gives us an illustration of who we are, guys. Because you and I were in the orphanage of sin. And then one day, we were told that someone had bought and paid for us. Someone had taken care of all the issues that had to be taken care of for us to be adopted into God's family, forgiven of our sins. When we received Christ as our Savior, we were adopted into the family of God. You and I, right now, we have a home. We may not be fully there yet, but we have a home. Right now, we are adopted. If you're a Christian, you're adopted. And you're experiencing all the benefits of that adoption. You're experiencing the love of God, the love of Jesus in your life because of what He's done for us. I'm simply saying we ought to have the desire to go home and actually be with our Heavenly Father because we have the first fruits of the Spirit. That simply means this. We've got a foretaste of what it's going to be like. We have a little taste now in this world of exactly what it's like to be with our Heavenly Father, to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, to be there in His presence. We have a taste of it because He lives in our lives. And that ought to provoke in us the desire and the longing and the groaning to want to go home and be with Jesus. Look at what some of these words mean. Groan means to be in straits. In other words, you're in a tight place. You're sighing because you're in a tight place, because you're desiring to be set free into a roomy place. This world can put us in straits many times. The situations we face in life can hem us in and box us in. And as Christians, guys, I'm just telling you, there ought to be the longing in your spirit and in my spirit to get out of this place one day and go home to be with Jesus. It ought to be something that we long for. I don't mean sit around inactive and long for it and say, well, you know, one day I'm going to be with God. I'm just going to sit here and wait till it happens. No, you serve Him till it happens. But there ought to be this, just this, this desire in our hearts that just burns to where we want to be with Him. It says waiting eagerly. That means to expect fully. It's not like we hope it's going to happen one day, but we're waiting with an anticipation. We're expecting fully one day that this is going to happen. We've been adopted, but now we're waiting for this, the full redemption of our body. That means to be ransomed in full. One day, one day, God is going to take you home completely, totally to be with Him. Have you been redeemed? Yes, you have, if you've received Christ as your Savior. You've been redeemed now. You're forgiven of your sin. But there is coming a day that He's going to literally take you, bodily all, to heaven to be with Him. Guys, I'm just telling you, that's something we ought to long for. Now, some of you that are still younger are thinking, I don't know if I want to long for that or not, because I've got a lot of living to do. There's no living that you can do that's going to compare to what will happen over there. And those of us who have been around long, long enough to get aches and pains and things like that, you know, we've got a lot of other reasons we're ready to get out of here. 51 years of marriage, you're ready to go, huh? <laughs> the issues, the broken hearts, the dangers that we face the hurt in life, the difficulties of life, the sorrows of life. See, all that stuff that we have here, 
And no matter how good you might think you have it here, it doesn't compare with over there. I've never walked on streets of gold, but I plan on doing it one day. I've never gone through a gate of pearl, but I plan on doing it one day. I've never seen Jesus face to face, but that's going to be the biggest attraction in heaven. And the crowns that, you know, we sometimes want to place on our own heads and act like we're something in this world. You want me to tell you what you're going to do with any crown that you get when you get to heaven? Once you see Jesus, there's one place for that crown. It's off your head and it's at the feet of Jesus. We ought to have a longing to go home to be with him. Look at these other words. We ought to eagerly wait for it. Hoping with a confident expectation. And it's so confident, the expectation that we have, that no matter what the junk is we're going through in this life, we wait with perseverance. And that word perseverance literally means this, a cheerful endurance or patience as we wait. You can be here going through junk and be happy that one day you're going home to be Jesus. And you're eagerly waiting for it to happen. Adoption. That's God's story today. That's what we talked about, adoption. We showed a, a video of a couple of our members that adopted this little girl. And I hope you will pray for them. And I hope you'll pray for that little girl. And I want that to be just the neatest situation possible for that daughter. I want that little girl to grow up one day and think as good as they were to me, I love when I get to go back home and be with them. But the lesson we need as Christians is this. Because God's been so good to us. He's adopted us into his family. We ought to long one day to go and be in his presence. The issue is this. Does this apply to you? I mean, what we've talked about this morning, does this describe you? In other words, do you know for sure that you've been adopted by God? Have you, at some point in your life, recognized that you're a sinner, admitted that to God, understood that Jesus died on the cross as your only hope, your only way of forgiveness, your only way to be brought into the family of God? Jesus died and shed his blood for you. Have you trusted in that and quit dependent upon who you are in your works have you saw yourself bankrupt before god and understand that your only chance and your only hope is jesus and his shed blood that was paid on the cross for your sin see if you've not done that none of this adoption stuff applies to you your first step is to receive christ the moment you do god adopts you into his family so if you've never done that today, in just a few minutes, the band's going to play. And I hope you will be honest enough to step out and say, I'm kind of like that child in an orphanage. I've been in bondage for a while, but I'm ready to get out of the orphanage of sin. And I'm ready to be brought into God's family. I'm ready to have a father I can cry out to. I'm ready to be joint heirs with Jesus. I'm ready to have a home I can go to one day. And if you don't know that, why not trust in Christ this morning? 
What about those of us that already know it? We already know we're adopted. We already know we received Christ as our Savior. Can I ask you this? Are you living in that reality of what we talked about in adoption? Or are you living your life in a way that communicates to other people that you belong in the family of God? Are you serving God? Are you making the right choices in your life as a believer, as a Christian, where other people can look at you and think you look like your father, you look like your brother Jesus? Are you taking advantage of God being your father? Are you crying out to him or do you ignore him? Do you go days or maybe weeks or Sunday to Sunday and never think of God and never talk to God and never read your Bible? Do you have periods of your life that you're just ignoring God? You see, if so, that's not the family type of relationship God wants. He's your Father. He wants you to be crying out to Him. As a Christian, are you focused on the fact that you're a joint heir with Jesus and there's a great inheritance waiting over there one day? Or are you chasing after the inheritance of this world and what the world tries to offer you? As a Christian, do you honestly have a groaning, a longing inside of you to go home and be with Jesus? Or maybe you're a little bit apprehensive and it worries you just a little bit, the thought of going and being with Jesus because you know your life's not been what it should be for Him. Let's pray. Father, Lord, forgive us as Christians when we ignore You. You have done so much for us in order that we might be in a relationship with you. Lord, you pay the ultimate price by sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. God, forgive us when we ignore you and we fail to cry out to you. God, forgive us as Christians when we fail to act like we belong in your family. Forgive us, Lord, when we're more focused on this world than we are on the inheritance that you have waiting for us. God, help us to have an authentic, genuine longing in our lives, in our hearts, to be with you. Father, if there are, Lord, if there is anyone here, if, there, if there's anyone here that does not know Christ, God, we just pray that you speak to their heart. Help them right now to admit that they're like an orphan away from you. And they need a family. And they need a home. And they need to believe in the Jesus Christ who died on the cross for their sins. Give them the faith to do that this morning. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As the band plays, Daryl and myself will be here at the front. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, what better day than a day we talk about adoption for you to come and let God adopt you into His family? If you do know him, maybe some of the issues I just brought up at the end of the message are some things that you need to take care of. Maybe you need to come forward and say, God, forgive me for not being focused on you as I should, for not living like you, the way you want me to live, for not talking to you. Forgive me for ignoring you. Forgive me for being focused on the riches of this world instead of the inheritance that you have waiting upon me. God speaks to your heart as we wait. Please come.
You are listening to Sermon Audio from Dathan Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.